Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. People can get caught up in just trying to be different. They lose their own North Star. I just have faith in something bigger than myself. My intuition's not going to steer me wrong, and it never has. And the more you listen to your gut, it's a muscle. That intuition is something that the more you work it, the stronger it gets. And I believe that with every ounce of my being, and I believe that's true for everybody. Welcome to Becoming Obsessed. I'm your host, Teresa Jean, part-time business coach, online marketing expert, digital nomad, and ultra-athlete, who has always been obsessed with living a life by design, not living on default. I'm obsessed with my life, and I think you should be too. Becoming Obsessed is a collection of conversations that make my heart sing with the people I'm obsessed with. Join me in learning how to outsource and create ease in life and business so we have the capacity for the things we actually want to spend our time on. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome Paige, everyone. This is my mentor, my business big sis, my person I love to stalk the most. You might get some of those stories in here, but anytime that I think of doing a project, whether it's starting a membership or doing a course, or in this case, doing a podcast, Paige Hulse is the number one person I think of to convince, to work with me on it because she has so much knowledge and is such an amazing person and mentor to me that I always am like, how can I get her in front of my people so they can be obsessed with her like I am? She's an entrepreneur, a lawyer, a homesteader, a speaker, a mentor, and an amazing friend. She practices intellectual property law at her firm, Paige Hulse Law, helps creatives build legally sound businesses at the Creative Law Shop, and is one of the best, if not the best, resource for equestrian and homesteading business owners. She supports our special forces with the Special Forces Support Fund, and on top of it all, she recently launched her personal brand to tie them all together. And it might be pretty obvious by now, but I am completely obsessed with her. We've been working together for five and a half years. She's where I got my start, and I honestly would not be where I am today without you, Paige. So thank you, and thank you for letting me convince you to be on Becoming Obsessed. Now that I've given this whole big resume, I really want to get into what is the driving force? You've created so much. You have this amazing network of people. Every time I meet someone in your network, I'm obsessed with them as well. And so what is this driving force that kind of drives you, but also allows you to radiate in this way? Okay, well, first, because being a lawyer, I can't just answer your question directly, obviously. That was the nicest introduction I think I've ever gotten. And I also have never, I don't think that many people refer to their lawyer as the person that they're obsessed with and stalking as outwardly as you do. So maybe not the best (laughs) way to phrase that. Exactly. I'm so excited to be here and I'm so excited for all of this, Teresa. And yeah, okay. So to answer your question, just the driving force, honestly, I mean, maybe again, it's the lawyer in me. That answer is going to be a little bit fluid. There's just an undercurrent of independence. I have always just done my own thing and stayed in my own lane. And sometimes that's led me down different paths that maybe looked different to the outside world at different times. But at the same time, I just knew in my gut, I was able to rest well at night because it rested well with my integrity, if that makes sense. I come from an entrepreneurial background. Every single person in my family and the family I'm married into are 
all entrepreneurs. So something that probably influenced me more than <laughs> more than I realized it did. But being able to go out and actually, and not just, I don't mean it in the altruistic way, but being able to go out and actually make a difference with the work that I do. It's not just work, it's stewardship. It's not just the legal practice, it's advocacy. Finding the richness of the difference between those definitions is really a little glimpse into my my inner ethos. And that's also what I, I don't know, I feel like you can spot that in people. Yeah. And that's kind of what I've built my network around intentionally or unintentionally. And grateful to have you as one of the people I'm talking about as well. Thanks. Yeah. And and you said something a minute ago about really staying in your lane, kind of regardless. And I've seen this working with you for so long, where you're very much not somebody who's going to follow a trend or take the newest trending advice that everyone's doing. You're very true to like who you are and what feels good in your gut and having that integrity. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's one reason I do admire you so much is because it's like you're very grounded. And so you're really, for me too, like a good North Star to look at somebody as an example who can be grounded in themselves. And I'm going to bring it back to the whole idea of this podcast building a life that you actually want to live and building a life that's going to work for you, regardless of everyone who's telling you it's maybe not the best way. I appreciate that a heck of a lot. And yeah, that's something so people can get so caught up in the definition of that concept. I see people all the time, especially with the work that I do. And just talking to entrepreneurs, I see the pendulum can swing either direction. So people can get caught up in just trying to be different than everybody else. And they get so consumed with that idea, they lose their own North Star and then pendulum swings too far again the other way and people get, yeah, they just fall into line with what they see everyone else doing and they want to compete with everybody else. And for me, part of it, I mean, it comes down to just honestly just following my gut. And I I know that I just have faith in something bigger than myself and faith in my intuition is not going to steer me wrong and it never has. And again, sometimes you'll, you'll, it'll look weird from the outside looking in. It'll look like I'm stalled out or it might look like I don't quite know what I'm doing, but it's just that kind of, the more you listen to your gut, it's a muscle. And that intuition is something that that's, that's a muscle that the more you work it, the, the stronger it gets. And I believe that with every ounce of my being, and I believe that's true for everybody. And that's something yeah, I can expand on that more. I don't want to get, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get more to a soapbox talking about that. But well, it's funny yeah. because one thing you said at the beginning there, Paige, is some people get so caught up in being different. And I don't know that we've really talked about this, but that is totally what my story is. Like growing up, like <laughs> I love snakes and spiders because everyone else hated them. Like there's so many things that I did because everyone else didn't. And I think maybe especially when I was younger, that that was in a way of like really just wanting to be different. But because I had that almost like instinct or drive to chase something that not everyone was or to be the opposite, it also worked for me in like everyone's doing this nine to five, but I see that they don't love it. Like I Mm -hmm. see what everyone else is doing. And sometimes I didn't want to do it for the sake of it. And sometimes that kind of transferred into like, I don't want to do it because that looks unhappy. Like that really doesn't look like a high quality of life. And for some people, love nine to five. I promise this podcast is not anti nine to five guys. We'll get some nine to fivers on here at some point. But I think that for me, What started as like a drive to want to be different as I've gotten older has also led me to understand when and how to differentiate myself and when and how to see 
that I'm doing it for me and like I am chasing a life that I want to build in probably the last in my 20s, I guess. I've learned it's okay to like things that everyone else likes. Case in point, mm-hmm. guys, before we hopped on here, Paige was commenting on my Barbie infused, my nails in, my lip gloss, I don't know, that I got for the Barbie movie. And so that was something growing up, like I never liked Barbies. And now I've learned to kind of let go of that a little bit and like embrace the things I want to and rediscover what I do like that might be more mainstream. And so when you said that, Paige, I was like, oh, yeah, this is that's funny. Two things to say to that. First, anytime, again, anybody listening to this, this applies, whether you're an entrepreneur or nine to five, whatever you're doing, whatever your vocation is, is who I'm, I'm just speaking to somebody who's trying to find that answer, how becoming obsessed with their vocation can apply to them. And taking that concept and just thinking back to my early business days, I was so focused on staying in my lane that I accidentally took it a little bit too far. And I, I, I just kind of buck, I just, I don't even know how to describe it the right way. I just kind of buckled down and I forgot to speak up. <laughs> and so for a little while, it looked like I was playing small. And I realized that you don't necessarily, doesn't mean you have to avoid everybody by staying in your own lane. And so I say that just to share that, like, if you're in a weird stage of business, give yourself some grace and it, it will, it will look different in different seasons. And then the other thing I want to say in response to that is I'm probably going to be the only or at least one of, if not the only guests that you ever have on here who I've seen you at a lot of different phases in your life. And it's so funny for the audience looking back, we met at a, and I remember the day that we met because, and the reason, and I'll just go ahead and say this, if you don't we were both probably the most, like who would have ever thought you and I would be in a sorority? The most non-sorority we sorority girls yeah. in our very sorority like, type sorority. <laughs> exactly. And I remember I went back, one of my friends talked me into going back for the mock rush thing. And I met Teresa in... All right. Before I let Paige tell stories about college, Teresa, I want to take a minute to plug the company that we're talking about, the Creative Law Shop. Paige started the Creative Law Shop because she knows that navigating the legal world can be tricky. She's found that the biggest hurdle for creative entrepreneurs on the legal front isn't a lack of wanting to protect your business. It's simply a lack of awareness on how to do it properly. She has a library of over 90 contract templates everything you need for website legality to client contract agreements that are going to help you save time and money. And we're going to save you a little bit more money with my affiliate code. Anytime you shop from the Creative Law Shop, use code BOP10, B-O-P-10, put it in when you're at checkout and you'll receive an additional 10% off of your purchase anytime that you purchase. This is an affiliate code and I can receive a kickback when you use the code. Okay, now back to how we met in college. I met Teresa, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, upstairs. What's so funny is all of the students there were pretending like we're going through Rush and just, it, it's all performative. They're putting on a show and we're helping them practice. I ran into you and I remember you specifically because you just did not care. You were kind. It had nothing to do with that. You were kind, but you also just didn't care about performing at all. And it cracked me up because I could spot it immediately. And then you <laughs> for the benefit of everybody listening, Teresa and I started working together when she was, I think you were at college junior, senior. It was my, regardless. it was literally January of my last semester. Yeah. Okay. Here, yeah. It's just funny because just like 
I see, and I've seen it myself, I've seen it in so many other entrepreneurs watching you enter that post-grad and enter into starting your own business. I definitely saw that come out for a second, but then you course corrected. And that's what's so critically important. And that's something that, that's the takeaway of the story I want everyone to be able to remember is that course correction is always possible. Yeah. (laughs) And it's something that's always, always evolving as well. That direction that you're taking is always evolving. So anyways. I said this at the beginning, but Paige, on the drive to like get set up today, I was literally thinking of how if I never got that email from you being like, hey, I'm a business owner looking for an intern, my life would be a thousand times different. Like it was my first contract or like step into entrepreneurship. Like really, I worked with some businesses while I was in college, like through the college. But it was like the first time I was like, okay, working with somebody who has their own business outside of like a school, even though it was like an internship. But then from there, it would like enabled me like you're working with other people in your network enabled me to never have to go get a nine to five. Like it was the reason that I could just continue to like figure things out and learn. And what I tell people all the time, if they want to get into this world of entrepreneurship and working online, I think a lot of people are like, okay, I have to learn a skill. I have to be a copywriter, a designer, whatever. But it's really underrated or under talked about to find a business owner who just needs extra hands and come in and do anything they want. Because for so many years, for you and for another client, that's really what I tried to do is like, I'll learn anything you want. Like little golden retriever of like, give me a trick. I will learn it. I will figure it out. Just like keep me around. And like, you are the basis of me getting to do this and of where I learned everything is getting to try it out with your businesses. I think that's a little extra generous, but I appreciate you saying that. It is funny because I refer to you as my cheerful, and I want to talk about this later on, just the importance of levity and work, but you bring such a cheerfulness to the work, but I call you my little cheerful Swiss army knife. Okay, I haven't actually heard that one page. Yeah, <laughs> which is what every business owner needs. I mean, that's what we all, none of us realize that we either learn when we're falling on our face or we learn when we're climbing out of the hole we've dug for ourselves, or you learn it at the beginning because you find a mentor, just like you said. And I think that's some of the most golden business advice is just go out and learn every aspect of the business from the boots on the ground approach. Because how else? I mean, you're in such a better position to help people scale their own businesses, then that builds not just credibility, but putting in those man hours and those positions, you're uniquely qualified for the role that you play in businesses. Yeah, thank you. And I think it is like you said, the man hours, just putting the boots on the ground and understanding. I think there's you know, all these articles going around right now that are talking about interviewers, the number one phrase that they want to hear. And it's truly, I don't know. And Mm -hmm. that's what I got to do because it was like, I was fresh out of college. I wasn't saying like, okay, I'll be your expert in anything. I was just your intern who was like, oh, this is what I'm maybe trying to do. And I was like, okay, Google University, like going learning Mm -hmm. whatever I can, presenting it to you and then being like, okay, let's move forward. How do we actually execute this now? Absolutely. And this is just my my personality type. I test people all the time. But and I when well, I'm she in does everyone. <laughs> I don't do it maliciously. It's just we have to really assess where people are at, not just where you're saying you're at. And so exactly what you just said, when somebody's willing to say, I don't know, but I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to figure it out, I respect that so much. And I respect that so much more than somebody who comes in with some cavalier attitude. That's something even from just taking it from a legal perspective as well. That's something that my mentor taught me also. doesn't matter what type of law you want to practice, learn, be willing to work for the paralegal. 
so that you can learn the nuances and learn how that clock ticks before you actually try to tell time. Anytime I'm talking to, I'm talking to a lot of people right now who are, there are a lot of new businesses that are about to get started. And the best thing that I think people can do, this is just my two cents. If somebody's thinking about starting a business or just kind of curious about it, start a creative side hustle and just actually like go through the practice steps of doing it before you actually bet everything on it. That's, that's why I started the way that I did. And yeah, that's, that's something I've always admired about you. That's something that you've done since day one. Yeah. And I'll rephrase that and say, go do something you're bad at. Even if it's not for the sake of starting a business, I think for me, my hobby is business. Like it's just, I can't do anything without thinking of like how I'm going to start a business out of it. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to, well, in some ways I've just had to be like, okay, do a thing and do it while you're bad at it. And I think so often we're like, oh, try new things. And it's really intimidating. And we know we're going to suck at it because we've never done it. And that's how it works. And that's totally fine and fun and enjoyable. And so I've switched that mindset, especially this year. And I've been like, okay, we're going to do things I'm bad at. Mm -hmm. I got into voice lessons and I did a triathlon and I've like never swam laps before this year, like literally did it 10 times before I went out and did it. Like it's so much where like, oh, well, and it was a triathlon sprint. Let me just clarify. There's just this idea that we have to be good at things, but we can do them for the sake of enjoyment. And sometimes being bad at something lets you appreciate it more or lets you know that you hate it. I read this quote or heard somebody say once, you might not ever find what you love if you don't try it. And so it's like exactly. by not doing new things, doing things we're bad at, we might never find that thing that really lights our soul on fire. I never, ever, ever, ever thought I never I've never taken a business class ever. <laughs> like literally. I never you thought loved that the business I was class page. But school of hard knocks. If you had told me this is what I would have been doing in 2015, I would have just laughed at you. And then I would have probably just sat there and argued with you. But to your point also, aside from you, you don't know until you try. Like you don't know where that path's going to take you until you try new things. And it's all, I believe, so strongly and always challenging yourself. On the, the other side of that coin as well, people don't talk about that much, is you might end up doing exactly what you love and then you might not have the best circumstances in which to do it. That's a very hard lesson that a lot of people learn. They learn literally on the job. They learn the hard way. And it's more than just like, of course, not every day is going to be a good day, but sometimes you might have a very challenging season of life. Even though you're doing what you love, it is very, very hard to actually literally get out of bed and do it. And if you haven't, again, cultivated that muscle of just working through things, even when or working at things or just continuing to show up when all of the circumstances aren't perfect, you're not going to be as resilient as you could be. I believe in that very strongly. It's the same way that like if you're training for a race, you don't take off the days where it's raining. What happens if it's raining on race day? So, And I think that's a really great argument for like resilience. And one thing that I have been coming into more is that there's no one right answer for anything. Mm-hmm. And so in some seasons, it really is like you need to grind it out. You need to be resilient. If you're trying to PR at that race, like you need to run on rainy days If you're doing it as an outlet for enjoyment, you also can give yourself off those days and not, I think for me, my, all of my races have pretty much backed up to like huge travel and I just have not trained for any the way that I want to. And I've had to kind of battle with this competitive spirit of mine and say, 
is it worth doing if I do it at 10%? Mm -hmm. When is something still worth doing? And when do we know that it's actually the thing we need to be giving 90% to, 100% to? And finding that difference and identifying when is a season for each and and for what. Exactly. And admittedly, that's something that I think you mentor me and <laughs> you are better at trying that line than I am. But just a note on resiliency is about agility. Yeah. Like that's those two things. You can't have one without the other. So yeah, sometimes that does mean pulling back and that does mean just whatever word you want to use, recalibrating for different seasons. And especially when you have a narrative in your head or you've been doing something for a little while and you've been successful at it and you've been on that same path and you have that that intuitive North Star like we started out with talking about, having the self-awareness and just learning how to reassess that and ensure that you are still actually like walking in stride with your integrity, that's a hard lesson. And I'm not going to act like there's any, there's no great like polished answer in terms of like, here's when it happens and here's what you do about it. That's just something where you make your own mental check-ins. It's all about your own accountability. And again, that's hard, especially especially the, the bigger business gets and the more it, it grows and harder it becomes to scale. It's very hard to find that line. I think that's the, just to kind of dovetail, I don't know if I'm going off track too much, Teresa, but I, I just wrapped up, I just passed six year mark in business. And I've told you this so many times in our own conversations, but there are all the stats about how many businesses fail before they hit year five. Yeah. And looking back, I mean, I was fine. Obviously, I like outlasted the stats through year five and outlasted a pandemic with three businesses. Year six, <laughs> year six so and a half ate my lunch. Yeah. <laughs> it has been the hardest season of business, hands down, no matter what. And yeah, it's been the time where I very, very humbly and I've had to and thank the literally thank the Lord for people like you I get to work with where you've watched me very gracefully from your perspective, not from me being graceful, very gracefully just watched as I've kind of stumbled and figured out this, <laughs> figured out my own lesson in terms of what the line is and when it's time to let things go. And it's hard. Yeah. And that honestly is a perfect segue into the question that I'm really exploring as well as when do you know that it's time to quit? Well, there's a Taylor Swift song about it. So start there. How, how does that one go again, Paige? <laughs> I forgot to take voice lessons or else I would be able to come through right now for you, Teresa. So sorry. Now, it's it, learning how to quit, in my opinion, once you dedicate everything to your vocation, I'm going to just, and I, what, obviously I'm talking about entrepreneurship here, but no matter what it is, when you've dedicated everything to it and you've dedicated this, I see this with a lot of my lawyer friends as well who are in the traditional quote unquote nine to five jobs. But when you have dedicated years, when you have dedicated family, when you have dedicated your reputation, when you've dedicated friendships, there's so much more on the line and it becomes, you become very married to the identity that you build with whatever it is that you've dedicated yourself to. And so the ones that we need to be studying have learned that and they've they've learned their own cues and again, just learned their own check-ins. I respect people now who are able to edit their lives more than I respect the people that are able to continuously like pump themselves up to do something new, which show I haven't really, that's something you and I haven't talked about too much before. For myself, that came down to, I've had so many health problems alongside business and 
for myself, I think I always say, and it sounds cliche, but I mean it with every ounce of sincerity in my body. The best thing that ever happened to me was the worst thing that, that ever happened to me. The most horrific health trial, I'll call it, that I've ever experienced, that few people will ever experience, brought this sense of quiet and calm and peace because it blocked out all of the noise. If that had not happened, I would not have stopped and looked around and realized that the path that I was on wasn't the path that I necessarily was supposed to continue down. I was litigating in one of the most competitive industries in, the, in my state. And then when this event happened, it just wrecked like I was in the hospital, not in the courtroom. And I left what was supposed to be what was the, the career that I had wanted and worked for my whole life. But you know, I was young at the time that this happened, but every day of law school, et cetera, every networking meeting I'd ever gone to, et cetera, it was all for this one event. And it took that type of rock bottom for me to realize, and it wasn't necessarily rock bottom, but felt like it at the time. But also because it shifted my perspective so much, I knew it was time to let go of what of that narrative I had been holding on to for so long. And it was time to pursue. For me, it was entrepreneurship, but to pursue that path that I hadn't hadn't even considered before that again looked really, really weird from the inside out. And I think what's most telling about your question, really, if I'm thinking about it, it's when it's time to quit, you'll see, even though it might feel kind of devastating at first, there will be this little quiet flicker of a flame inside of you where it's like, oh, I can do something with this. And I don't know how else to describe it, but when it seems like quitting to everybody else, but you have that little tiny spark of a gut feeling knowing like, oh, there's an opportunity. Yeah. The, the way my mom has always put it when I was growing up was more so of like an exercise of like when you need to, and this is just for any choice, choose one and see mm -hmm. how you feel. Choose one and sleep yep. on it. And I think the times where I've quit things, that has rung really true. Like there was, I was chaperoning a couple college kids on a trip in Peru last summer. You you might remember this. Both of the students had to leave. And I was faced with this choice of like, on paper, what I should do is stay and fulfill what they came here to do. But technically, I fulfilled what I came to do, which was to chaperone these students. And as hard as I was trying to stay and like be this good on paper person helping other people, I couldn't do it. Like I was making myself emotionally and physically sick. And some of it was probably because I was emotionally and physically sick. And I called my mom and I literally was like crying and asking for permission to quit. It's so ingrained in us that we shouldn't, that this is why I'm so interested in this idea of like why quitting is such a dirty word. It's because I've seen it ruin people's lives. I've seen people that I love, their lives continuously go on a downhill because they refuse to quit. And I think there is resilience sometimes, but not when it's going against your intuition and when you're swimming against yourself. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. People have to ask themselves. I think if you're if you are in a point where you're examining that question, you have to ask yourself, like explore the what ifs. I don't think people ask themselves that question too much. And if there's a what if on the other side of quitting, that's something because I'm a, I'm a very decisive person. Yes. <laughs> and so when there's a what if hanging out on the other side of a question like that, for me, that's a signifier. That's one of those things that over time, I guess, and it'll maturity, pull you over. <laughs> that I've, I've learned those are one of those little personal signifiers that I look for. Yeah. If there's an unexplored what if that doesn't sit well with me. 
Yeah. And I think that's really the ideator and the creator in you. Yeah. And it can be taken too far, but, but that's the other thing. And that's why you, and you've been so, so, so patient. I'm not saying this just because I'm sitting here on your podcast, just the patience that you have demonstrated this past year, as I've been trying to figure out, like I've had to quit a lot of things this past year and it has just been so hard, but that's why I became so centered around the concept of what really creates what's a richness of life. And like, I'm sitting here right now looking at my horses in my pasture. And there were some nights where I was sitting here so mad at myself because I was working. I don't mind working late, but I was sitting here working late, just like making eye contact with the horses. And it was like, this was, I had every, I've wanted a successful law firm. I wanted property. I wanted my horses that I've had for so many years sitting right here looking at me. And it was that at technically on paper, I had everything I wanted. <laughs> But was I actually enjoying, was I getting that richness out of the life? I was not. And that's how I knew it was time for me to, to quit a couple of things. And then, yeah, especially, especially when it's, again, thinking of some of the people I know who are about to venture away from their traditional, more traditional jobs that they've had for so long. When it comes to quitting, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you do cold turkey either. Yeah. It's something that people need to remember that you can take, you can, it can be steps and it's something you can walk away from. It doesn't mean you just have to like drop off the ledge type of deal. Yeah. And it strips fear from it. I think that's great advice for anything is you don't have to full send, but you can. Like you can test the waters. You can try something. You can do it for a while. You can pivot. Life doesn't have to be this one pass. I have one last question for you, Paige. I want to know what are you currently obsessed with? You would have thought that I would have come with this answer prepared and I, I did not. <laughs> I am currently, like literally this is the question of the podcast, isn't it? Honestly, Teresa, I'm at a phase right now where I've worked really hard to be at this phase of business and I I think I've built it. I've been premeditating it for a while, so it sure as heck better work out the way that, the way that I'm hoping. But I think for the first time, I'm going to be able to like actually, like I'm taking time to sit down and go outside and like, watch the sunset and just taking time to actually step away from this work I do love so much, but just exploring different, like I'm being, I'm exploring creativity again. Yeah. Creative uh, space. Yeah. For me right now, that's in the form of writing and like writing. And yeah, I was going to say, horses. I saw you were just writing out on horseback <laughs> the other day. I have to specify that, but just, yeah, being able to be going back to to those things that I've loved my whole life that I kind of had uh, set aside for a while, reading my Stoic philosophy again. Speaking of, I know you did that as a segue. What I'm currently <laughs> obsessed with, and I chose this specifically for today's episode, because as you get to know Paige, you will know that she loves Greek and Roman government and philosophy. And I, I don't know how you would even technically say what you're obsessed with in that. Technically, literally, I am a Greek and Roman historian. That's what I did instead of go to business school. That's the is. technical. Well, I'm catching up to you by reading a short history of philosophy from ancient Greece to the postmodernist era. It was on clearance for $2 at my local half-price bookstore. I have no idea why it would be on clearance. But it's actually really kind of one of those like dummy guides for it's pretty good. I'm, I'm going to catch up to you soon, Paige. I just have a few more pages left and 
I'll be a historian as well. You want me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get, get me riled up with that. Yeah. You want me to come back for an encore, Teresa? I can fill a whole hour talking about Rome. We might do that. Already, though, from this episode, we've had five years of conversations. And how do I get those to other people? So many of them I feel like need to. But even just from here, it's like when we talk about quitting, you're the one who has taught me about always have an exit strategy. And we don't have time today, but I know that that is such an important conversation to have. And also getting into this idea of the assumptions that we hold over ourselves that we have to find a way to let go of to truly become who we are. But we'll save all of that for next time, guys. So subscribe and tune in. Paige, thank you so much for joining us for one of the first episodes of Becoming Obsessed. And we'll talk soon. Hey, thanks for hanging out today. And before you go, I have a question. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and thought, I'm obsessed? And since you're still here, I want to know what you're currently obsessed with. Message me on Instagram at becomingobsessedpod and let me know. All right, let's go get obsessed.